This is On Point with Lynn Armiger in three, two. Hi, and welcome to On Point. I'm Roger Fallabout, Director of Strategic Communications at Peninsula Regional Medical Center and across the Peninsula Regional Health System. We continue our special series looking at COVID-19, and with us today is the Director of Continuum Care at Peninsula Regional Medical Center. That's Lynn Armiger. Hi, Lynn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Roger. Thanks for having me. It is really great to have you here. As I ask everyone as we're working our way through COVID, how you doing? You know, I'm doing good. Um, I'm leave here physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, some days exhausted, but I go home and re-energize, know that I have my team here. Um, and that is, I mean, absolutely everybody in the health system. It's just not the employees that I work with each and every day. They're going to get us through this. So knowing that you have just that army, they're making sure that we're going to be healthy and safe is really what gets you through it. What I've heard from everybody is it's incredible how busy we have become in the last two months. It is. And it's funny because before COVID, so the BC, I thought I was really busy. And I was like, how can my schedule is always packed with meetings, meetings, meetings. And then all of a sudden they went away Mm -hmm. and it was filled with other things. And all those things got put on hold. And it's like, well, maybe they weren't as as important as we all thought that they were, because now we really have to prioritize and and really figure out what is important. So it's going to be interesting to look at our schedules and how they return to a, a new normal for us. And do some of those meetings go away? Did we even really need to have them? It's interesting now. Everything is a Zoom or everything is a, is a WebEx. I ran into people I see every day, right? but I don't physically see them. I haven't physically seen them for the last eight weeks, and I saw them in the hallway today. So it's nice to see somebody face-to-face again. It is, and I forget where I heard it, but it was just recently they said that you just don't get that physical um, – relationship because it's a one-dimensional encounter that you have. And so when you can physically 3D, you know, see that person and, and just everything around them, and it gives you the context of, of what the meeting is or what the encounter is in the hallway, it just means so much more than it ever did before. So I, I agree. It's hard, though, to be able to not look at somebody and know that, you know, you're smiling at them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so we've all really, I guess, learned how to pay attention to each other and looking in each other's eyes and yeah, connecting the eye, that way. The eyes really tell the story, don't they? They do. We've they noticed do. that, too, how much you can, <laughs> you can tell by looking at someone's eyes now with a mask over their face. It's very true. So if the people who don't know what continuum care means, mm-hmm. what exactly is it that you do? Well, um, continuum of care is really actually pretty simple in that we all exist in a continuum in the health system of going to our regular primary care doctor. And then somewhere along that continuum, you may need to go into the hospital for surgery. And then you need to potentially go to a rehab facility to recuperate from that surgery. And then the next stop is to return back home. So it can be in any situation where you're kind of evolving and moving um, and fluctuating through that continuum. Um, And another way to look at it as well is also the birth to death continuum. So we have, you know, the patients that are coming in as the mothers and you're starting your life at at Peninsula Regional Health System, all the way to us um, working with hospice to ensure that you have um, a peaceful, peaceful death. So it's you can look at it in a variety of different ways. Uh, My team supports the continuum of health through the uh, presence in the hospital to discharge patients to the appropriate level of care, whether that be to a skill 
skilled nursing facility or back home with home health services um, or hospice care. Um, and then we have also a large ambulatory team that uh, works in primary care offices to work with patients who have um, chronic disease to make sure that they're maintaining themselves at home um, as safely as they can and, and participating in their care as actively as they can. And then anybody that leaves the hospital as well, we have a team that does um, outreach usually within two uh, days to five days, um, just making sure through telephonic follow-up, have you gotten your medications? Did you go see your physician? Are you feeling any better, any worse? You know, how can we connect you to the services that you need so that you can stay well in the community? How big is that team? Well, I say it's big. They're a mighty small army in comparison <laughs> to all of the nurses. Um, right. Yeah, it's um, about 20 people, really, in the, in the grand scheme. So it's pretty small. But they've um, they've picked up a lot of work um, that they've never done before. And they've done it just with grace and uh, bravery through this and have learned a ton in the past few weeks and have just said, yep, we can make this happen. You do know that the smallest hinges swing the largest doors, it's right? It's true. And they've proved that to be absolutely the truth. Yeah, and I, I assume in the last couple of months, it has been extremely busy for you too. So let's yes. talk about COVID. And the thing that we mention a lot when we do at Peninsula Regional Medical Center is partnerships. And I know mm -hmm. that we have established some wonderful partnerships out there in the community, one of them being with the Anchorage Medical Center, which is just across the street from us almost in downtown mm -hmm. Salisbury. It's a COVID step-down unit. Can you tell us more about what that's about? Yes. So Anchorage um, is a skilled nursing facility, as you said, located directly across from the hospital. So it was um, very convenient um, for us to be able to have that as an option for our patients who were COVID positive. We needed to um, provide, th provide them, excuse me, some additional assistance with nursing care or physical therapy care. Um, uh, potentially they were still having um, oxygen needs, which we've seen a lot with our COVID patients. So they weren't quite ready to return home, but because they were positive, we couldn't introduce them into um, just all of the nursing homes potentially through the area here because normally we would ask a patient, what's your choice of nursing home? So if they lived down in the Pocomoke area, they may wanted to have gone to Hartley Hall or Minokin. And so we had to be able to have a, a ability to limit where our COVID patients went and Anchorage was ready to become that unit for us. And so we created a, a process for um, how we hand off the the. Uh, positive patient to Anchorage, and they've been a fantastic partner in this process. We went over and did a lot of training with their staff. They weren't necessarily used to working with the uh, protective equipment, so we helped train them on how to use the masks and the face shields and, and whatnot, and they were um, just fantastic partners through the whole thing. We have um, successfully, as of today, discharged, I believe, eight patients from that unit, and I believe it's well over 20 patients that we've um, sent there. So we still have some ready, you know, that will be discharging soon in the near future, but just recently we've discharged eight. And so it's been, um, I think a positive experience for everybody, um, not only just within our health system, but for, um, Anchorage as well, just to, to see how they could impact, have a bigger impact in this community. And they designed that unit specifically for this cause, right? They did. They did. They um, totally redesigned a whole wing um, and a whole floor for them and how they were going to bring those patients into the building and not integrate them in with the rest of the patients and protect all of the rest of the residents that were there. So it, was, it, it wasn't a small feat, but they made it happen really quite quickly. 
I should say that we're taping the show on May 8, too. We referenced that you've discharged eight patients. Oh, there you go. From there, but I want to make sure that we get the date and the timeline right for Very everyone good. watching the program or listening to the program. Another wonderfully outstanding collaboration and, and unique and creative is one we have with Salisbury University as well. Another step-down unit but different than what's going on at Anchorage. Yes, very different. Um, the state actually for a while was talking about, as we've heard in Baltimore, they use the convention center as an alternate care site. And so they talked to us um, about an alternate care site. And um, Dr. Catherine Fiddler, Vice President for Population Health, um, really felt like that the the Civic Center might not necessarily be the right level of, of care for patients that were exiting the hospital. And so in conversation with the health department and the state, we really looked at, well, what are our options? And SU was one of those um, thrown out there. And so she approached um, the, um, I believe it was the head of the um, health services group, the dean for that college. And that just started the ball rolling. And within a matter of days, we had a memorandum of understanding with the state. And that just started the process of creating an alternate care site. So it's the Dogwood Village, um, Nanico Colmes. There's 10 of them. Um, no, excuse me. There's 13 of them. And we took one of them, so there's technically 14, but we took one of them for the staff. And so we each one of them has 10 separate dorm rooms in them. They each have a twin-sized bed, a desk, and a little armoire. And so we could um, actually potentially take 130 patients who are discharging from either the ED or from the hospital who still require um, transmission-based isolation. And so if they couldn't go home and safely isolate or there was someone potentially at home who, say, had cancer and they were high risk and they didn't want to expose that individual. Um, that gave them a place that they could go and stay and continue that isolation until um, that criteria was no longer met and they were, you know, safe to go home. So we have um, staff available for that now and 24-7, um, we can take the up to 130 patients. SU has been a fantastic partner through this in that they've had, you know, the housing and environmental safety group working with us to make sure that every room has, you know, been clean, that the, the fire alarms work, that the fire extinguishers work, that um, you name it, they've done it. And then the campus security has been fantastic too. They have a presence there with us, making us feel safe every day in conjunction with PRMC's um, uh, security as well. We have walkie-talkies that are available to us, so if we need to reach out to someone for help, but, I mean, everybody has just been phenomenal through this process. So it's um, we've learned a lot, and it came together in a matter of about a week. We have we built a ramp so that they could bring roll food in from the cafeteria, so they could roll linens in for us because we had to be able to make beds and provide towels and yeah. So it, it's. Um, if you had told me I was going to be doing this just a few weeks ago, and I know a lot of people have used that analogy in so many right. ways, we, I, I wouldn't have believed it that, you know, as a, as a nurse, nurse practitioner, that I'd be developing an alternate care site, you know, at a college in dormitories. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> if you would have told me that we would have turned a conference center into an ICU, ICU. in 18 days, I would have told you you were crazy, crazy. as well. Yep, yep. Yeah. we've done but a lot of crazy things. It is amazing, though, isn't it, what we've been able to do mm -hmm. and how creative we have become uh, because of necessity. Yep, well, it's what 
is it necessity? Is the mother of invention? Mm -hmm. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, and it is true in COVID. It is for sure. Uh, the SU partnership, great. We've done a lot of things with SU over the years. Another one of our great partners going back years here in Wicomico County is the health department. Mm -hmm. One of the very first things that we did uh, when COVID first started to break on the Eastern shore was to create a call center working yes. with the health department, which I know has been extremely successful. It has been. Um, what we found is that the health department was getting a lot of calls. They were, you know, not able to work within their usual setting, the hospital, PRMC, was getting a lot of phone calls that were being directed to the emergency room and not necessarily the right place. And that was putting additional burden on an already stressed team. Uh, Nanticoke was experiencing the same thing. So we decided to all come together and then Somerset joined us as well to create the COVID Response Center. And so we, um, with the telecommunications group at, at PRMC, put together a program so that we could have a, a um, seven day a week response line from eight to six. And that's staffed by members of the um, ambulatory care uh, team, the transitions of care team from one of my groups, as well as health department nurses and um, staff. And it has been, I think, um, a very enlightening opportunity for us to participate in this. We've learned a lot about people. Um, we've gotten some interesting calls, but I know some of my staff actually through those calls would take the individual's name and number because they were so worried about them and what they were talking about that they would call them back the next day and check on them or we referred them to a social worker because they were just so anxious about it and crying. And so we would get them hooked up to, to be able to find some help through this because it wasn't just simply, I have a question. It was, I really have a need. Mm -hmm. That's a great lead into my next question. What are some of the questions that they're hearing through the hotline? Um, it has been anything from um, the recent testing that we've had at Purdue Stadium at or yeah, the ballpark mm -hmm. of what are my results? When can I get my results? And um, so those are starting to come back and they've been helping to release those results to I have symptoms. Am I eligible to be tested? Where can I be tested? to um, my son has symptoms. I'm so scared to be around him. I've slept in my car for the last three days. Mm. Um, what, what should I do? And trying just to help them um, overcome that. We've had a lot of calls from different um, businesses to say, well, as a business, what am I supposed to do for my employees? And so we you know, worked with CDC guidelines and uh, various and sundry other resources that were out there um, within the community to help provide the guidance and, and direction that you know, everybody was looking for. So we feel like that we were able to answer most patients' questions, or not, not patients, but individuals calling. Um, certainly COVID is a stressful time. Sometimes people were frustrated because we didn't have maybe the answer that they wanted, or we couldn't provide testing because they weren't symptomatic. Um, you know, but that that's normal. I mean, we're all under a lot of stress right now. So I think the team just took it in stride and were able to try to explain it as best that they could. And, and, um, in general, um, we got a lot of positive feedback and, you know, thanking us from the community for, for having this available. 
it is a wonderfully successful partnership. Uh, 410-912-6889, and we'll mention that number yes. again at the end of the program. That'll get you right to the COVID-19 hotline run by PRMC and the Wicomico County Health Department. Um, the umbrella, Lynn, over all of this is population health. And if people didn't know what population health is, they certainly do now. What can you tell us about uh, population health and, and how pleased you are that it is now out in the forefront of healthcare in the United States? We were starting to get some traction, but boy, it shifted pretty quickly here sure for us. <laughs> so um, we're excited about it. We're excited about the opportunities that it's going to um, provide for our team to um, continue these partnerships. Uh, I think that that's really one of the biggest things that we're going to be able to take from this is um, all of the different um databases that we've been able to create from scratch over the last, you know, six to eight weeks. We're going to be able to collect a lot of information and learn more about our populations. We're going to be able to learn more about um, our populations from a very culturally, um, cultural perspective, because we've had a lot of Haitians and Hispanics that have been impacted um, by COVID. And we've needed to communicate with them in a way that we've not had to do that before. And that was actually one of the other partnerships that's been excellent with SU, where the Modern Language Department has helped us to put together a translator um, call tree. And, and so that we have someone always available to be able to help us to communicate. So I, th I would say that the partnerships is one of the richest outcomes of this. And I'm just excited to see how we'll be able to continue to evolve that work to have a big, bigger impact on our community. Um, and through this too, that some of what we're seeing and learning is that the patients that did not fare as well um, are those with chronic conditions. And so how do we um, work with our patients in the communities that do have chronic health conditions differently to try to help engage them in their in their health and wellness more actively so that we they aren't set up to be an at-risk population. And one of the areas that we've noticed with this disease too is patients that are um, overweight, obese. Great opportunity for us to continue to create new programs to address the obesity epi epidemic that we have in, in our nation. Um, so I think that... We have to find the silver lining in this, and I think that there are a number of silver linings. And just being able to learn how to be healthy, um, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally through this, um, I, I think it's brought people together to collaborate um, in new ways. So, yeah, it's taking population health, I think, and, and um, exponentially blowing it up as to all of the opportunities that, you know, we've have wanted to be able to do through telehealth and, and, you know, made it all happen in a matter of weeks. So I hope it all continues. And, you know, we're looking forward to all of the work that we have ahead of us. I'm pretty sure it will. In my humble and completely non-clinical <laughs> background, I would say that population health is equal parts care for the patient and education for the patient. So this has really provided you um, a, a unique and wonderful opportunity to educate people. It has. Absolutely, it has. And a lot of the work that my team does that are um, on the outpatient side is very much towards education. Um, a lot of it, though, tends to be more of the clinical piece of it and about managing your, your hypertension or your diabetes. But what we've learned through this, through all of the phone calls that we've made to patients, and we've made a lot of phone calls to patients because we wanted to make sure that they had um, food 
that they had their medications. So we were really trying to not only take care of that, but, and those basic needs, but was the need for, for social contact and our behavioral health social worker, she is an army of one on our little team right now. She has done a phenomenal job, but I know that the behavioral health team collectively through our organization has also worked to not only address the needs in our community, but the mental health of, of the workers um, at, at the health system level as well. But that was one of the biggest things that we were kind of surprised once we started making a lot of these outreach calls was that it, you can never separate the emotional health from, from your person. You know, it is just a, a part of our being. So we have to be, be mindful of that. And just because we may have all of the things that we need for food and, and, um, medications, um, we can get outside and go outside, but we just don't have somebody to talk to and patients probably more than anything. That's been the biggest thing. Thank you for calling us and thank you for just caring about us. Get you out of here on this. Your team is equally on the front lines of this. So what do you think it's going to take for us to claw our way through COVID-19 and get back to normal or whatever normal is going to be down the road? Um, yeah, I don't know that we know what normal is going to be yet. I think it's going to be a moving target. I think we have still a lot to learn, um, both scientifically from you know an epidemiological standpoint, from an infectious disease standpoint. Um, a, a lot of research that we have an opportunity to do here um, now, post-COVID, if there is such a thing, because it's really going to just become part of our everyday life. So I think that's more of where we need to figure out of how do we create it, create this now as part of our everyday routine, and it does become the norm, and eventually we'll look back at it as any other you know, infectious disease and we're going to have a vaccine or we're going to have some, we're going to have a much um, bigger, broader toolbox um, available to, to manage this and, and any other um, infectious disease we may encounter. I think it's really just going to um, propel research just phenomenally for, for us internationally. I don't think it's just, you know, certainly here in the U S but internationally. Well, I am so thankful for your team and so Thank happy you. to have your team working Thank you. for Peninsula Regional Medical Center. And please pass that along to everyone. I absolutely will. They have um, all faced it with um, humor and camaraderie and just a we can do this attitude. So I couldn't have asked for a better team to partner and make this all happen. Great. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Certainly. Lynn, thank you for being on the show, too. Thanks. And that will do it for this edition of On Point. We remind you that great information concerning COVID-19 locally can always be found on the Peninsula Regional website at peninsula.org. Be sure to check that out. If you're looking for United States or national information, let us recommend to you another great website. That's the CDC. That is cdc.gov. Be sure to check that out. And as Lynn and I mentioned, as we talked on the program earlier, if you have questions or concerns about COVID-19, please do call the hotline that we've established, Peninsula Regional and the Wicomico County Health Department. That number again is 410-912-6889. Again, 410-912-6889. For Lynn Armager, our Director of Continuum of Care Services at Peninsula Regional Medical Center, I'm Roger. Thanks for watching On Points. We'll see you again soon.